Behind the Knife, the surgery podcast, where we take a behind-the-scenes, intimate look at surgery from leaders in the field. Okay, and welcome back to another Behind the Knife. Uh, today, we have an interesting collaborative with our European colleagues that we'd like to highlight on Behind the Knife to, to help uh, people uh, worldwide get involved. Um, it's called Surge Week, or it's a, it's a global surgery collaborative on operating on patients with COVID and uh, helping define the kind of timeline and the best options for doing that. We're going to learn a lot more of it today from uh, two of our interviewees. Uh, we have uh, Joanna Samoys. Um, she's a research fellow in global surgery at the University of Birmingham, and she's a general surgery trainee from Portugal. And we're also lucky to have James Glassby. He's a general surgery resident working in Birmingham um, in the UK, and he's the NIHR doctoral research fellow in global surgery. So welcome, Joanna and James. Uh, thanks for coming on Behind the Knife. Thanks, Kevin. Great, great to be here. Can you just tell us, one of you guys, tell me about how this collaborative was created, um, what we've achieved by now, and what sets it apart from sort of other COVID studies? Sure. So this collaborative is um, an amazing network um, of surgeons and anesthetists that was created um, partly during uh, the COVID pandemic. So when COVID hit um, several countries, um, surgeons got together uh, and joined efforts to deliver studies uh, to focus on the impact of COVID in surgical outcomes. That was the, the driving force behind our first study. Um, and then uh, another research question um, also came to our minds as a surgical community, which was what is happening to our cancer patients? Um, are we uh, offering surgery in safe conditions? Are they being delayed? What's the impact of that? And that was the motivation for our second study about um, cancer surgery and cancer care during uh, the COVID pandemic. So this was the way that this collaborative kind of um, developed in the recent months uh, but this study will will take a step forward so we will join the efforts of this collaborative that is quite new um, and has um, um, and has gathered off efforts from from the five continents with another collaborative that has previously de delivered global surgery studies um, in, in the past, um, global surgery one, two and three that focus on outcomes of surgery um, all over the world, um, SSI and mortality after surgery. Um, so, so yeah, it's very exciting to, to be able to join efforts and have a huge collaborative um, behind a new study that can contribute both to COVID and also global surgery outcomes. So James, can you tell us a little bit more about this? Uh, what are the next steps and how does Surge Week study fit in? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, as you say, this is a truly uh, global effort and one that's grown over, over eight years or so. And, and we always try and pick sort of a, a hot topic, which is real relevance to patients and a real chance of, of patient benefit. And one thing that we've seen grow um, quite rapidly during the, the pandemic, particularly over the last couple of months, is this idea of a safe window from a SARS-CoV-2 positive swab in an asymptomatic patient or for that patient with the severe COVID-19 symptoms that we've all seen in hospitals around the world. 
I mean, when is it safe to operate on, on, on those patients? In the, uh, the COVID surge and COVID surge cancer study, um, which we think is one of the biggest uh, prospective studies ever done now in, in surgery, it's, it's hit 50,000 patients from over 1,050 hospitals in 88 countries. Um, within that study, there, there was around 200 patients that had a previous SARS-CoV-2 infection or, or COVID-19 that then went on to have surgery uh, within our data collection window. And, and from that little snapshot, just 200 patients, it looked like the, the effects, the severe phenotype of SARS-CoV-2 in the perioperative setting, and it's linked to death and pneumonia and those severe postoperative complications that we worry about, uh, seems to last for at least you know, four to six weeks after a patient has, has recovered from COVID. Um, and when we talk about heart attacks and another um, circumstance, uh, then people tend to say, you know, you shouldn't operate uh, on a patient within uh, within six weeks of an MI. You know, within three months, there's still a lasting effect. But after a year, that probably returns roughly to baseline. And we're trying to answer that now for uh, for COVID-19 and, and to find out when is a, a safe window for patients that have been screened and have a positive test or have had COVID, but need a, a surgery in, 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 a, in a short time frame for time-dependent condition, um, such as cancer or a quality of life surgery for a severe condition that is at risk of deteriorating. And so that's where Surge Week fits in. It'll answer this really important question about the, the safe window to surgery. Great. Yeah, that is a, a tough question. As many of you know, we have some of these patients that are completely asymptomatic, um, and and you know, we don't know if that impacts uh, their outcomes. And then, um, so and you guys, so you guys are really looking at each aspect of this, both the pre-op patients with COVID and post-op. Um, can you describe a little bit of sort of the cohorts you're looking at in this? Yeah. So um, this study will um, collect data from patients, um, from all patients being operated in the hospitals that take part. Um, so we will not only look at patients um, with a previous diagnosis or a current diagnosis, but also patients who had never have um, a, a COVID diagnosis before or currently. Um, and to be able being doing that, we're going to be able to have a comparison um, between the, the different groups and kind of assess the outcomes and the risk of the different groups of patients. So we can actually inform practice um, uh, in, in, a more, in a more comprehensive way. Um, by doing this and by collecting data um, from all the patients being operated in in a hospital, we're going to be able to contribute as well for the global global surgery indicators, which I think is probably one of the most exciting things about this study because we're not only tackling a COVID problem, but also we are contributing at the same time to something that is um, uh, globally relevant and more, you know, in the long term can contribute to WHO and global surgery um, outcomes and uh, goals in the future. So I think that's that's very interesting as well. And you think, James? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, COVID surge, I think many hospitals around the world felt that if they hadn't been very severely hit by by COVID in their local community, um, then they felt perhaps that they weren't um, able to take part in the early phases. And that's particularly relevant to um, some areas of sub-Saharan Africa where um, we have we work with a number of collaborators and, and leaders in global surgery uh, who perhaps uh, weren't hit uh, so severely by COVID in the early phases of the, of the pandemic, um, but do uh, very much want to contribute to these global, global studies. 
Um, so I think by tying together the, the Global Surge Collaborative, which is focused on hospitals all around the world, and COVID Surge, which has perhaps been a little bit more focused, uh, not by design, but by necessity on, on uh, Europe and North America and, and, and Southeast Asia, where the, the first emergence of COVID uh, was most apparent. I think by merging these two networks together, then uh, then it, it means it really does have the uh, potential for for global impact. And the point you mentioned on the um, the Lancet indicators, I think this is a perfect opportunity to collect uh, global benchmarking data, uh, both about uh, case mix. So um, any collaborators that want to take part would contribute all of the consecutive eligible patients that um, are identified in in the one week period that they choose for the study. And they will also enter on a survey uh, at a centre level the total number of cases that were done in the week in, in that hospital. Uh, so, for example, in, in my hospital in, in Queen Elizabeth in Birmingham, I may enter the colorectal data and I may enter 100 colorectal cases um, and then say that there was a thousand cases done within the hospital. And um, so we know um, that in a hospital of my uh, of our size, in a country of our uh, sort of health system, um, then roughly 10% of the case mix may be, may be colorectal, as, as an example. And this will allow us to do these quite complex modeling studies um, to look at differences in, which, in the way in which surgery is provided around the world and update some of the older estimates on the, the Lancet Commission on Global Surgery. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a really key um, secondary objective of this study. Great. Uh, w- one question. I just want to take one step back. Uh, for someone like me, I'll, I'll plead ignorance here. Uh, can you tell me, so there's the Global Surge Collaborative and then there's the COVID Surge Collaborative. Are those two separate things? And, and then Surge Week is going to somehow tie those together. Am I understanding that right? Yeah, I, yeah, I absolutely. think it's a good way of, of looking at it. Um, actually, they, they pretty much overlap. Um, you know, many people taking part in COVID Surge had um, contact with Global Surge studies um, before but uh, this is definitely a joint effort um, and uh, a, a growing opportunity and a learning opportunity for everyone uh, interested in, in global surgery and in research in surgery for sure um, but that's a good way to look at it and something pretty amazing is that I think we do learn from each other and the the hospital leads the the collaborators everyone learns from each other because everyone is so enthusiastic about this um, global scale studies that um, it, it's impressive to see how, how it grows um, in terms of numbers and in terms of impact. Uh, just maybe to mention now, um, we had our first paper from, from COVID search, um, um, fortunately published in, in the Lancet with our first 1,000 patients operated uh, with a COVID diagnosis. And I think that's a, also a very um, good um it reflects the impact of this huge effort that people made to collect data um, and um, participate during a very hard time, during the time that COVID was hitting their hospitals. So, so I think we're, we're all very grateful and we're looking forward to grow this network and the, the, um, the impact of it. Great. We'll dive in some to the nuts and bolts of this. Um, which hospitals can participate? Uh, what are the timelines? And can you describe the collaborative authorship policy yeah absolutely and so basically any hospital around the world that conducts surgery uh, can take part so it's a really wide pragmatic study so from a tiny hospital that may conduct just obstetric surgery up to a big quaternary hospital that may conduct 
every type of surgery, even the most you know, advanced and complex and new, new techniques. Um, so any hospital worldwide, in that week, uh, we effectively have a, a mini team. So it may be a, a team of three people in one speciality over a one-week period that collect data on uh, operations that are performed within that speciality group. Um, so again, going back to uh, if I was doing a colorectal data, I would collect data on all of the elective and emergency patients undergoing surgery in a colorectal discipline during, um, during that week. Um, we are very broad and inclusive with who can be um, involved. So the collaborators can pick any week during the month of October and that suits them. And um, if centers want to enter data over several weeks in different teams, they're obviously very welcome to do so. And we live and die by this uh, single corporate authorship, uh, a collaborative research model. Uh, and what that means really is in, in none of the papers that we publish, um, in, in, um, we often publish in, in, in big high impact journals, uh, there's never any human on the, on the top line of the authorship. It's always just the group name. So in this case, it would be uh, Global Search Collaborative, COVID Search Collaborative. And then in the appendix, we have a growing list of collaborators from all around the world uh, with some idea of uh, what their designated task was within the project. Uh, so, for instance, there might be a, a writing group, a project steering group, statistical analysis, translation. This has already been translated into all of the WHO major languages and um, the hospital leads, the collaborators. And um, for an example, for uh, COVID Surge Cancer, which is the project we're just finishing, uh, there's going to be around six and a half thousand collaborating authors on that author list, um, which would put us above the large Hadron Collider in terms of the number of co-authors on a paper so probably these are big um, collaborating groups of frontline surgeons all around the world that are able to take part um, Joe did you want to add anything to that about the the nuts and bolts of the study yeah sure I think you, you've gave a great over you've given a great overview I would just like to uh, emphasize that it does seem like a lot of work to collect data from all the patients being operated but we do encourage people to involve um, not only surgeons but also trainees and medical students in their teams so the workforce behind the study can be um, driven by a lot of people that sometimes are quite enthusiastic and quite young so they, they also have the the motivation to do it so please do feel free to to reach out to those um uh, those people in your hospitals if you want to take part um, and also um, a hospital can collect data from some of the specialties or all the surgical specialties and we are flexible to that as well because we know that not all the departments will have the same um, the same capacity so we are flexible to that and uh, we, we will allow the different hospitals to build up the different teams as they have the capacity to but um, if, if they have very few capacity they can contribute with a, with a bit less that's okay we, we can manage all of that we we really want all the possible hospitals to participate of course if people want to get involved um how, how do they uh, approach this so there's um loads of different ways of of getting involved and um, we've got a, a growing social media presence uh, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and where people can can link to the studies and uh, have discussion about the topics and and see how the networks are growing. There's different uh, Twitter pages for different parts of the networks. So there's 
country-specific uh, network Twitter pages and region-specific Twitter pages that have sprung up through leaders in different countries and environments. Uh, we've also got our, our, our website, which is www.globalsurge.org uh, forward slash surge week, uh, S-U-R-G week. Uh, where we've got study documentation. Um, there's a YouTube video about the, the protocol if people want to digest that um, in the coffee room after, after, a, after a case and things such as, uh, as ethics forms, patient information sheets, everything you could possibly need to get the study uh, set up in your hospital with examples from, from all around the world. Um, otherwise, we'd very, be very happy for people to contact us personally if there's listeners to this podcast uh, please do get in touch and we'd be delighted to, to connect you to the network. So how long are you going to follow up these patients? How long of a commitment is this? I know it's just one week of surgery that we're looking at, um, but how long are we looking at these outcomes in, in the long run? So the, the follow-up period will be 30 days for all the patients. So actually the work behind it will involve collecting data from the patients being operating during the selected week um, and following up uh, at 30 days. Um, it will not involve any extra um, meetings with the patient, any anything besides whatever is usually done on a clinical basis so you would probably need to uh, check the records at 30 days after surgery to be able to um, enter the data for the outcomes but you would not be uh, you would not need to um, schedule an, uh, a clinic a, a, an extra clinic for the patient to come so it's it's usually whatever you usually do will uh, be sufficient will be enough to to participate in the study do you guys have um, examples of IRB submission forms to help uh, people get this through the IRB and get this approved in, in a timely fashion? Yeah. So um, thanks, Gavin. There's various different um, systems around the world in terms of local approvals that would be required for a study such as this. Um, so I think the most important thing to say is it represents a very minimal ethical risk. It only uses routinely collected electronic health data it doesn't require any additional follow-up and is not an invest you know, there's no investigation when say it's an exploratory and as it's a non-experimental study and um, so for many countries in the world um, it doesn't require a formal ethics submission um, in order to get uh, approval so for example in the UK and uh, this would be classified as a as a clinical audit or, or service evaluation however um, for many countries it is is very different so in Spain and Italy um, you know, some countries will need individual patient level consent to include them in a, in a study like this. And then there's everything in between, such as um, institutional review board approval, where you will need to go through ethics approvals, um, but it won't need patient level consent um, and some sort of mixtures of processes in between. Uh, so fortunately, within our um, International Dissemination Committee, which, uh, which Joe um, chairs, um, there is representation from uh, you know, 100 plus countries uh, and this is already um, th this study has already received signups from 1,750 centres, I think, as of today, um, from 128 countries, uh, and we've already received uh, approvals, um, be those ethics or otherwise, in in many of those countries. Uh, we've asked collaborators to pro provide examples of those, and we've put as many as we can onto the website, and that'll be growing every day. Um, so as much as we can, we're trying to help collaborators make this as smooth as possible and provide um, local examples to support their applications to ethics or institutional review boards. 
So I know you guys are both uh, fellows in, in global surgery, and, um, and, and this project is very much a global surgery project. Can you just talk about how the implications of the study are going to impact global surgery in the long run? Absolutely. Um, so we hope this will be a, a, a large uh, benchmarking study for, for surgical practice worldwide. So it'll provide in-depth information about the sort of case mix that's happening in hospitals of different sizes around the world. We're tying in some information about the providers of surgery and anesthesia and obstetric practice. And we've got some outcome data. and We've aligned that to the Lancet Commission on, on, on Global Surgery. And, and we're reaching out to many countries around the world as, as possible, and then in depth into, into countries. So we've got a, a system where there's national leads um, in each country, and they tend to feed into a, a regional level steering group um, to encourage colleagues to, across different nations to get involved in the project. Uh, what we're hoping is that we reach not just the big hospitals and academic hospitals within countries, but also the, the smaller hospitals that provide essential surgical services uh, in, in low middle income countries as well as high income countries. Um, so what we hope this will give is, is a real view into the world in which surgery is, is provided. And uh, we mentioned a bit earlier about perhaps updating some of the, the modeling exercise with um, up-to-date prospective data from, from 2020, 2021 um, a, a, a about these key, key um, indicators about surgical providers and, and outcomes. Um, so this is really will be a, a treasure trove of data. Uh, we're very open to, uh, to collaborations um, within the projects we've run so far. Um, there's internationally and speciality representative writing groups and steering groups which take on different analyses, be they across the whole data set or within different countries. Um, so this will hopefully be a treasure trove um, of data um, to have a global impact and improve the way that we can practice surgery into the future. Yeah, maybe just to, to finish, I would like to add that um, we aim to uh, provide also a connecting and learning platform for everyone that take part, that take who takes part. Um, so I, I would say I've been a collaborator before, and and uh, all these kind of roles. I I, I do think that um, collaborative studies do provide a, a space for people to learn every day from each question about the protocol, from ethics, applications, IRPs, this and that. And they kind of can develop their motivation to do research in the future, uh, maybe in a more um, uh, active way if they participate in collaborative studies. So we're, we're, we're aiming to contribute to science and knowledge and surgical practice but also to inspire people to to participate in research and um, to be collaborative as as a whole i think that's also something to mention maybe fantastic so if i were to sum this up for um some of my my friends here i Tell me if I, I'm getting this right. This is a collaborative involving global surge and COVID surge looking to determine optimal time for surgery following or perioperative around a COVID infection. Um, and it's going to be a week long uh, kind of biopsy of uh, hospitals worldwide that you're going to follow out for 30 days um, to help really uh, help define uh, for surgeons worldwide uh, when and how to operate on COVID patients. I love the word biopsy, Kevin, and yeah, absolutely, that's, that's spot on. 
Great. And so this is really a chance. I encourage uh, people out there, you know, some operative rooms or operating rooms are still slow and clinics are a little slower. This is a, a really a chance to help, uh, you know, help the global community out in this tough time and, and uh, contribute to some potentially uh, game-changing research and, and how we treat these patients. So I encourage everyone to uh, look into this and I'm actually going to uh, take a look at my own institution and see if we can get something like this going. So, uh, so Joanna and James, uh, thank you so much for coming on Behind the Knife um, and we will provide the links uh, and your guys' contact info in our show notes and um, so people can get a hold of you guys. Until next time, dominate the day. 